Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So it was a big sports day, Tampa Bay. See what I did there. The Rays unveiled design plans for their stadium in Ybor City, and it is spectacular. It's got a translucent roof, this distinctive wing-like canopy that looks like a ray in and of itself, huge windows that open to let the breeze in. But the big question that went unanswered, how will the Rays get the money for what is projected to be an $892 million price tag? We'll dive into all that give you some details of the new ballpark as well as maybe what the comments were from Rays owner Stuart Sternberg. And oh by the way, on the field the Rays beat the Tigers 5 to 2. They built a 5 to nothing lead thanks to a three-run homer by Wilson Ramos, his 14th of the year. They have now won 13 of their last 14 games at the Trop. So why you need a new ballpark when you think about it. Now a season best 3 games over 500. And Ryan Stanick with his ninth straight start without allowing a run. And if that wasn't enough, how about this news for the Tampa Bay Lightning? They signed Nikita Kucherov to an eight-year extension that averages $9.5 million a year. That's the richest in team history. We'll get reaction from Kuch and tell you what it means, if anything, to the Lightning's pursuit of Eric Carlson. And the NFL Players Union has filed a grievance over the NFL's national anthem policy. We'll discuss that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get started on this podcast, I want to tell you about a special offer from Audible.com. Sign up now, and you get a free 30-day trial. Now, that's a $15 value, and as a listener to this podcast, you're also going to get a free audiobook. Now, here's what you do. Go to audibletrial.com slash sportsday. That's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial dot com slash sports day for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook so steve i'm sure uh, by now you've seen all the drawings maybe watch the press conference the rays unveiling their design for this proposed new stadium there was a press Ybor conference City. i hadn't heard uh, yet you should have it's no, I, I watched it you know what's funny is that um people around the nation i guess not familiar with tampa bay or their cuban heritage were were calling it where is Ybor city <laughs> <laughs> i just love that Nobody knows, so they'll get it right. It's actually going to be Raybor City, as as uh, I think it'll become known if they built this thing. Well, they always say um, the Tropicana Field's located in Tampa, so I mean they yeah, have no so idea about this place anyway. Yeah, at least now when they say Tampa, they'll they'll be right. They won't say St. Petersburg anymore um, if they're able to build it. But look, this this ballpark doesn't have everything maybe that that even the Rays would want. In other words, the roof is not retractable. But then again, that would be cost you know, prohibitive with, with the number of days. and Not only you know, cost but, prohibitive, but they said that they couldn't fit it on the plot of land. Right. You don't have enough room to they actually They said there's not enough something. room to have a retractable roof, so that would cause another problem too, obviously. Exactly. But it's opaque. It has these uh, – it's going to be high enough to not have catwalks, so so that is uh, that is pretty cool. Did you notice, though, from one angle uh, on the drawings, it, this thing sort of have, has like the has like wings? It yeah, it looks like, like a ray. Be. looks like a stingray. It looks like a – yeah, devil or manta or sting mm-hmm. or whatever you want, but it's really cool. It's I thought that was kind of unique. It's just open glass. It's a lot of natural light, and it has 
these doors that that uh, will open like or these a walls. Lot of the gla- open, yeah, like a lot of the glass doors. will open at times where yeah. they can even leave it open during the game, depending on the weather outside and, exactly. and that. So facing the skyline on one side and and uh, you know the other side kind of melds into the Ebor neighborhood. So um, really cool, small stadium, intimate as they say, twenty eight thousand two hundred sixteen seats. Uh, can go up to thirty thousand eight forty two with uh, uh, its total capacity. Lots of standing room only. for mm-hmm. patios and, and standing room and things like that. Uh, and as far as uh, you know, as far as playing the game, um, it's going to be a big yard. I mean, they're going to make it to fit the, their philosophy, their ball club, which is good pitching and defense. Um, so you're talking about something that's like five or ten percent bigger than the Trops outfield, three seventy in the alleys, four hundred four to center. Uh, so it's not going to be a place that's going to you know be like a launching pad by any any concept. But this is a really cool looking building. It it, it is something they gave a lot of thought to. Um, it is it is sort of anti-trop in many ways, if you will, in terms of letting the natural sunlight and and uh, the views of the of the beautiful skyline and um, you you know you have water down there uh, obviously as well in the Ebor Itty uh, Ebor City area Ebor Itty. Um, <laughs> It's Wybor Itty, I guess. But I I mean, the one thing that they can't answer is the biggest question of all. And, and we can get into some of this here in a minute. And that is, uh, this is a this is a big price tag. I mean, they're talking about, um, really, it's all projected at this point, but, you know, almost $900 million. Um, and we don't know, you know, they will not say. Uh, as as of now, anyway, what the contribution of Stuart Sternberg or the Rays will be, uh, he has thrown around the 150 million dollar figure they said would go would go north of that, uh, based on what the you know business community investment is and things like naming rights and, and that sort of thing. Um, but let's just deal with a ball club or, or the ballpark in and of itself. I really like what they've done here. I think it, it would be unlike any other um, stadium. Uh, in, in baseball, and I think it would uh, would highlight the, the natural uh, beauty of this area, particularly, if nothing else, the sunlight. You, if you can't have a roof that opens, um, you're going to get a ton of sunlight and the ability to make it feel at times with the breezeways and the, and the door and the walls opening like an open venue. Yeah, my, I mean, my, my initial takeaways, and we can get to the financing part later, the – the fact that on the the side that's going to face Ebor City is designed, the, the storefronts and the restaurants and things like that are designed kind of in the mold of Ebor City with the balconies on the second deck, and it really kind of fits in with that 7th Street architecture. But then the side that's on that's facing more downtown is more industrial-type look. I mean, I, I really think they're trying to, to make it fit into the neighborhood, and it's kind of kind of in between there in Ebor and downtown right there on, on the Selman and Adamo. Um I think that's I, I, I there was so much detail in there I, I was I was not expecting I, I guess I, I wasn't sure what to expect today I mean I thought we'd see some designs and stuff I they're further along in that process than I thought they'd be or at least that they would announce at this point um, right. I like all the seats are going to be a lot closer to this to the field uh, including mm-hmm. like in the upper deck and stuff I like the outfields not build up. There's a few right. seats in the outfield, but it's not like you got two, three decks there. Probably a little smaller than I thought at twenty eight thousand seats. I thought maybe you know between thirty to thirty five, probably closer to thirty two. Um, but I, I I think it's a good size. Um, was really impressed with some of the ideas they had of keeping the stadium open year round, three hundred sixty five days a year, where 
you know, outside the clubhouses and their offices, you can come in and in the middle of the day and sit down in a seat and pull out your laptop and do some work. And I even said, use their Wi-Fi um, and, and do stuff. And, you know, in five years from now, that, that stuff's all going to be even more advanced than it is today. Um, a lot of the seating, you know, the, the, Stu Sternberg on the radio tonight, and I don't know if they said it in the press conference today, but he was sat in with Andy and Dave for an inning tonight. And he said, you know, about 20 rows back from the field, you're going to have a walkway that goes all the way around the stadium, 360, you know, right, 360 degrees cool. around yeah. where you don't, you know, if you're if in the lower seats, you don't have to go all the way up to walk around the stadium and that. And but there's going to be a lot of food service to your seat, using your smartphone to order food and that um, mm-hmm. to avoid that. More restrooms and things like that. I mean, th- there was a lot of thought in this. I mean, and, you know, the, the price tag is a whole nother issue and, and the financing of it. But yeah. I, I was impressed with how much detail there was, how much thought had already gone into it, and what they unveiled today. I mean, I guess I, I, I'm sure they had, I, I thought they had thought about it, but I didn't think they'd unveil as much as they did today. Um, and and I, I, I think if you're a Rays fan, you have to get excited. Now, whether it gets funded and can get done, that's another story, and we'll see. But mm-hmm. the design, the, it's, it's, it's unlike anything in baseball. It still feels like, it feels like a ballpark, not a stadium, which is, I think, important. And it feels cozy, which is always something you want. Yeah, I would agree with you. I, I think this is something that they have um, spent a, not just a lot of time thinking about, but actually designing. And, um, you know, they to, to some expense, too. I mean, these, these drawings, you know, don't come cheap. Um, the architects that they're using uh, are the ones that designed their, their training complex, I believe, in Port Charlotte. They even, um, if you remember the original um, plans that they had maybe for the waterfront in St. Petersburg with the canopies and, and stuff like that. Um, th- that was the same group involved there. What I like about it is is that it would be a uniquely, you know, Tampa Bay stadium and, and one that, look, I think this is, the, this is going to be the trend, I think, in all of professional sports. I think you'll see it in baseball. You know, we went through the year of, you know, the cookie-cutter stadiums back in the 70s, whether it was Three Rivers or, uh, you know, Riverfront in Cincinnati. Um, and then eventually we, you know, we morphed in some domes and things like that. Um, and then, then you had the retro ballparks like you saw, um, at Camden Yards or, or, you know, in, in Texas Arlington, that sort of thing. Um, but, but this is one, um, just, just from a, um, you know, we, we talked about U.S. Bank Stadium in Minnesota and it's clear that, that they borrowed some of the, some of the, you know, the, the, the ability to get natural sunlight through there. Um, you know, some people, it was interesting, were talking about, well, how could you have a clear roof? Because you'd have, with that heat, you'd have like a terrarium effect. But the roof is not glass. I mean, the roof is not the same as what the sidewalls would be um, that they're able to open up as French doors. It's, it's translucent, but it's not, it's not like just you're looking at, you know, through a pane of glass up at the sky. Um, but it, it certainly will beat anything, you know, that, that Rays fans are used to with respect to you know, no more catwalks. Um, they they studied this and made sure that the you know that the highest ball baseball you could hit would still uh, you know have enough room to not hit the roof, but also not be so high that um, it's ridiculous in in its uh, in its construction. But it is really going to be impressive, and and where it's located will tie downtown with Ybor City. You know, people have talked about parking, but they they've identified um, you know. 4,000 or 5,000 spots within, you know, five minutes of the stadium and another 10 or 15,000 within a 10-minute walk. I mean, this they're going to be able to access 
this. And if you think about it too, I mean, uh, I know it's not Ebor, but you know they get twenty thousand a night for the hockey mm-hmm. uh, at Amelie Arena, and no one seems to complain about parking down there. Well, not only that, um, but look at all the what's going to change downtown and Water Street over oh, the next yeah. five years. Oh yeah, five years from oh. now. Think of how much more autonomous cars are going to be, and sure. Uber and Lyft are going to be even bigger than they are now. Uh, mm-hmm. The high-speed rail may come through there. Uh, the, the, you have the Ebor trolley that goes between downtown and Ebor. And, and parking, to me, always kind of fixes itself. And it's not saying that they, they can't be thinking about it, but as things yeah. develop around the new ballpark, as more businesses mm-hmm. and condos and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. parking is going to be developed with it because you're going to be able to make money on that. And there's going to be businesses right. that do that. And, and they're talking about building another parking garage as well. So yeah. the parking to me, I mean, it's an important factor, and, and there's definitely a lot more parking around this new ballpark than there is at Tropicana Field because there's so much more around it between Ebor and downtown. Close. But as more de- businesses and, and condos and mixed-use de- developments develop and Water Street gets developed, there's going to be a lot more parking there naturally. So uh, mm-hmm. to me, that kind of fixes itself. Yeah, it will. And and there's access, you know, in terms of the roads with the Selman Expressway and I-4, 275, all of that. Um, you know, I mean, the biggest reason for doing this is they need a new ballpark, but also they want to move closer. They're, they're talking about being closer to a million and a half more people um, than they currently are right now in terms of, you know, how Tampa Bay is situated, whether you draw from, you know, to the north of, of uh, Hillsborough County or – um, into Polk County and Lakeland and all of that, and still can draw from St. Petersburg, of course, and south to Bradenton. Um, and so, you know, that's that's sort of the thing. Let's let's make it a downtown stadium in a historically. I mean, you talk about the history of baseball. Um, there was a lot of discussion about that. You know how um, how Tampa has has produced so many um, great stars throughout the years and, and Hall of Famers, and so. Um, that that's also part of it. That's part of part of the, the you know the whole Ebor um, sort of heritage, if you will, the Cuban heritage. But um, I like the ballpark. I didn't know what I, I, I anticipated it being, you know, somewhat airy and translucent. And but to be to have the ability to um, to actually open uh, the panels, to open the walls, you know, to open the sidewalls, and this notion that this is the community's ballpark is is very unique, I think, because. We're used to, to teams and, and communities shuttering their ballpark once they're not playing, um, and that doesn't seem to be the case. That, that, that the restaurants and, um, as you mentioned, going in there and be able to sit down uh, and uh, you know type on a computer or even access the field, which seems impossible to me that you would that you could allow that. Uh, well, that's on the one advantage of having stadium. turf, and that's that's right. the one downside to this ballpark with the translucent it is. roof. Is that it they're going to have to have grass, and I, I know, sure. you know, I, I saw Mark Topkin got some tweets tonight about, well, what about the Raiders' new stadium where they're going to have grass and they're going to basically wheel it out to the outside? To well, grow. Arizona does that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they do and, that in, in Arizona, yeah. but they have a ton of land to do it with. Well, it's a ton of land, but the other part of it is, is you're not playing seven or nine straight days in a row. True. On it. You know, you're That's playing true. one game and then you pull it out for a week and then put it back in. That's right. That's um, right. You know, there's logistically, it's a lot different. And and the land part of it is there too. You got to have that land to put there. You got to have space. Yeah. You know, the Raiders' new stadium in in, in in Arizona, it's out in the middle of nowhere. Right. Um, you can do that. You mean in Las Vegas? You mean? Yeah, the Las Vegas new stadium in the Arizona one that mm-hmm. does that now. Um, yeah. You know, those stadiums are kind of yeah. out in the middle of nowhere where they have that. Yeah, room Glendale. To do it. Yeah, yeah, they have Glendale. a ton. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, I mean, that's the one downside to it. And, and they did look at putting on a, a different roof that could actually grow grass and use some grow lamps in there. But they would have to mm-hmm. replace the field four times during the season, they Jeez. think. You know, so you're adding a lot of cost, a lot of logistics, a lot of everything else for that. So it just didn't make sense for that. That's the one downside to the stadium is it's going to have to – now, five years from now or ten years from now as the stadium is a few years old, maybe they'll find a way to grow grass inside. I mean, who knows what, te- what technology is doing? Yeah. Um, you know, you, don't, you can't predict that and know that, but, you know, that's maybe your hope. Or the turf gets so good it's just like grass. I mean, the turf today is a lot better than it was 10 years ago, and definitely a lot better it was when they were making cookie-cutter stadiums in St. Louis and Cincinnati and Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, the product, the the, the grass itself is easier on, on, on the athletes' legs and things like that and looks better uh, aesthetically um, than it ever did. It was not just hard carpet anymore. Um, but, you know, the other thing about, you know, having 28,216 is that you create – you create a demand, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, if, if the Rays get good and they're saying this is the piece that they would need to to drive revenue streams and be able to retain players and, and maybe even buy for free agents. Um, but we can see, you know, with this team now, the young the young core that is coming up in, 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 and around this ball club that's got them three games over 500 remarkably. Um, we can talk about this season and the run they're on. Um, but in two, three, four years, I mean, they're they're hoping this thing would be done, completed in a perfect world, 2023. Is that what they're talking about? 2023, which means they probably have to have shovels in the ground early 2020. Right. So, I mean, these guys, some of the young core guys and guys that are still coming up through the minor leagues would be, you know, five, five years into their major league careers. They'd be in the prime of their careers. This is another um, conversation for a different podcast, but which players on this roster now are actually going to play in the new stadium? Very few. <laughs> I mean, Jake there's, Bowers. There's, there's, maybe? O- there's only two I would say that are pretty definite, and that's Willie Adamas and Jake Bowers. That'd be about it. Yeah, I mean, maybe Brent Honeywell if he's. If but he's he not on the roster Thomas right John. now. I mean, that's what well, I'm that's on, true. On the roster not, now. Yeah. I, I, I expect yeah, I mean, Brent, that, Honey, Brent Honeywell may throw out the first pitch at the new ballpark <laughs> in 2023. Right. He might be. The I couldn't even pitcher. tell you. I couldn't tell you that Blake Snell will be here. Oh, well, you know what I'm I, saying? No, I, he'll be he'll be past his arbitration years at that point. He'll be in a long term contract. Now, if the Rays can lock him up at a reasonable rate, maybe he will. Sure. But I wouldn't bank on that at this point. Yeah, right. Exactly. Maybe he maybe he becomes that first pitcher that is unlike David Price or somebody that they always had to uh, bid farewell to. Well, Chris Archer has a team friendly deal, and that's why he's been here he as does. long as he has. I mean, he yeah. signed a deal early on. Got more money early in his arbitration years than that to, you know, mm-hmm. sign a, a deal that's a little cheaper long term. But he got he got his money early and made sure he got it. And you know, you always, you know, if you don't sign early, you risk injury and everything else on that. Mm-hmm. They're gonna look, i mean, for all the the talk about the stadium and it was well received and and you know Bob Buckhorn, the mayor was there and some county commissioners, nobody will tell you that this is going to be an easy finance. Nobody. Um they really don't know how they're going to do this, but it's going to have to take a village because it's this is not one where you just you know go to the bank and say give me give me a loan for nine hundred million. Um, you've got you know a lot of ways they're just going to have to be creative. Whether it's the city contributing to you know all or some of the eighty three million dollars that they'll need for the infrastructure with water and sewer and all that stuff and pedestrian walkways or parking garages, hotel taxes. Um, is certainly something that's been discussed. Um, 
you know, developers, I think, uh, have to bear a big, a big part of this, uh, in exchange for, you know, the rights to, um, uh, you know, commercial and retail construction and things like that, because the Rays, you know, unlike Jeffrey Vinnick, who is a developer and wants to own, um, you know, other adjacent properties. I mean, they, they want to build a stadium. They made it clear, you know, we, we, we're not looking to, to be the, the developers of the entire Ybor city area. Um, but we think we would be the centerpiece of downtown and, and could pull Ybor city and the downtown together. Um, and so it, I mean, I've been through the stadium business. It was a hundred years ago. It was actually 20 something years ago. Um, with, you know, but the, the days of, Hey, a half cent sales tax, and we'll earmark some for this and some for that. And oh yeah, the rest for the stadium, those days are over. And we know how precious, you know, funds are, whether it's, I mean, just talking in general for the county, the school systems need money, fire police need money, you know, social services, infrastructure, all that. Um, but, but there are ways to do it. I mean, new ballparks have been built in other cities and we've seen, you know, the, the cooperation between public and private money, uh, happen with AT&T Park in San Francisco, which was a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, abandoned piers and, and it was very dank and dark and you wouldn't want to walk through there during the day, even though it was on San Francisco Bay. And now those developers that own that land have, have you know, benefited from high rises and mixed use uh, shopping centers and all kinds of things around that ballpark. And the whole area has just has just blossomed uh, and the same was true of, of the old canneries and things that were down around. You've seen uh, Coors Field out in Denver, right, Steve? I Denver, mean, just yeah. that whole area, the union union area mm-hmm. um, is, is phenomenal. That they were just, again, more sort of abandoned warehouse district, right? You, uh, I mean, Washington, where Nationals Park is, uh, Petco Field yeah. in San Diego was, you know, the whole Gaslight District has. The Gaslight has, District. Has, mm-hmm. And it's a, that's a beautiful area out there and, and wonderful area, but it wasn't that way before the stadium was built there. Nope. Uh, I mean, you can go through lots of stadiums. I mean, Bal- Camden Yards, that was an Camden. awful area of Baltimore um, mm-hmm. until they built that. Now it's a wonderful area to be around. Uh, you With know, the waterfront. If you build yeah. the ballparks in the right location, right. and that's, that's the key to it is building it in the right location. And I think Ebor, I think the spot where they're, they're at, I mean, they needed to be – it's great that they're within, you know, now 1.6 million people within 30 minutes drive. That's important and great. But more importantly, there's a lot more businesses within yeah. reach. Businesses that are going to buy blocks of tickets, suites, right. uh, group sales. You know, okay, we're going to take the, you know, the box here for ten games a year, and we're going to sure. you know buy, a, you know, here's we're going to buy a block block of fifteen tickets for every game, and you know, those are the that's where, is you know, the Rays get crapped on by the national media and everything for their attendance. It's not the individual ticket base that they have an issue with. Their individual ticket sales are fine. They don't have the businesses because the businesses aren't in St. Pete. The businesses are in West Shore, in downtown. That's where the businesses are that have the type of money and the interest of buying blocks of tickets and, and, and season tickets in that in bulk, in suites. And that's, that's the important part of moving to Ybor City. And that's the important part of financing the stadium. It's going to be the business community getting behind and committing to sponsorships and tickets and things like that. That's how the stadium is going to get built. Right. It won't be easy. I mean, I, you know, Florida is one of those, you know, it's a tourist, it's a tourist state. And for right now, and, and one of the biggest employers is, is medical. Um, you know, you, you don't have, 
necessarily a big, you know, big corporations. Uh, although there are some Fortune 500 companies that are relocate here, it's growing. Tampa's. I mean, I can't imagine what it'll look like in ten years, twenty years. You know, this is one of the fastest growing areas and one of the fastest growing states, obviously, uh, in the country. And um, was it Monsanto that's coming here? I mean, there's mosaic. other mosaic. Mosaic. Yes. Okay, yep. that's right. They're moving um, their headquarters here. They already had offices here. They're moving their headquarters here. Yeah, and so I mean, naming rights. I mean, if somebody takes over this this ballpark, uh, I don't know. We don't have U.S. Bank necessarily, but there are a lot of financial. I mean, Raymond James has had the naming rights to the Bucks Stadium, um, Raymond James Stadium, for ever since its existence. So um, that's that's a huge revenue stream. You know, I, I don't know what they could get for it, but some get up to ten million dollars a year. Um, if you do that for you know ten or twenty years, you're talking about a, a giant stream of money. So. Um, there are ways to do it. It's just going to take a lot of effort, and they have some time. Um, but I, I think it helps. I do think it helps to have something tangible. I mean, look, a lot of people are like, well, it's just a drawing or it's just, you know, um, it, it sounds good, but there's really nothing, you know, it's, it's, it's just a, it's a piece of dirt. And, but, but really, you can see, you can see what, what you're investing in. You can see that, okay, mm-hmm. this, if this comes off this way, if people like this design, if they – if they can really envision that area and that stadium being the centerpiece, um, you know, to, to not just Ebor but also connecting that with downtown, um, then then people will want to invest, you know. And I think I think they I think by going more detailed as they did and, and really thinking this through and and having so many elements to unveil uh, yesterday, I think it it can have some momentum with business leaders and and, and developers and people. Um, that will be required and government officials that will have to get behind it and say, yeah, we want to do this. This was the first tangible step that fans and businesses can see. I mean, Mm -hmm. the fight for years about, okay, can we leave Tropicana Field? Can we look elsewhere in the community? They finally got that done. Then they picked a location. Which took forever. Finding the location took forever. It did, and and my guess is is there was a lot of reasons for it. Probably maybe first or second choice wasn't available, et cetera. Or you're also negotiating, can we get the land? Can we, uh, you know, that, especially with, you know, Jeff Vinnick bought all the downtown already. Yeah, do we have enough land? Yeah, um, right. So that was another part of it. But this is the first tangible now that you can kind of get excited about, you know, Mm -hmm. the thought of, I mean, when you go buy a house, are you just going to go talk to the builder and he's going to describe to you and tell you what it's going to look like? Or do you actually want to see it? You want to see even, it. You even even see if you're plans. building, you want to see a drawing. You want to, you don't want to just him telling you, well, okay, the kitchen's going to be this big no. and it's going to be here no. and the bedroom will be here. And no, you want to That's see right. it. And, That's and, right. you know, so if it's the business community investing or fans getting excited about it, getting it behind it, you know, mm-hmm. now that you've got something tangible, you know, the fans can decide whether, you know, they want to push for it and the businesses as well, or if they don't want to. This is an important first step today. Uh, you know, I had hoped it would be sooner than this, but, you know, it's here now, and so now we'll see how it goes. We'll see how, how the, the, the community leaders get behind it and the businesses get behind it, or they don't. And that's where – And it, it, look, it's probably going to get ugly before it gets done. Always. It's a negotiation. Yeah, on, always. On, on a lot of different sides. And so you're mm-hmm. going to – you know, it's everybody's happy today, and and the feedback's been positive. The race say, and and the feedback they got, especially from those at the press conference and community leaders and business leaders. But it's going to get uglier before it gets done, if it gets done. Sure, and and people have to run for re-election, and it and not everybody is a sports fan, and some people have to take the opposite view about financing this stadium, and 
you get your best deal on the last day when, when it comes to this. I mean, that's the way Raymond James was built. I mean, um, you know, it was a very close vote just to have a referendum that you will never have again. But well, how many um, stadiums did Tampa Bay build for other teams? Uh, that got yeah, that exactly. Ugly? Exactly. I mean, you know, Chicago White Sox, the new, com- new Comiskey, uh, the governor set the clock back once they went past the midnight deadline that was supposed to mean that they were moving to St. Petersburg. The Giants, you know, I mean, it, we, they look, St. Pete or Tampa Bay built stadiums, what, in San Francisco, in Minnesota, in Seattle, uh, in, in Chicago for the White Sox. I mean, every team. They helped in Baltimore. Um, they helped. I mean, you know, Tampa sure. Bay was being used anytime sure. a stadium needed. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN to be built absolutely and so you know there will be another city whether it's las vegas or charlotte wherever some other city will be leveraged as well and you'll have there'll be talks about them perhaps having to look elsewhere i mean i think it's inevitable but um the advantage here the advantage here is that the rays are locked into the trop till 2027 they are they are and so the only way they can get out early and this would be you know five seasons early to start at 2023 Mm-hmm. is to do a deal here. Otherwise, they've got to wait nine more seasons from now before they can Or pay leave. a ton of money, right? No, no there's, no way, there's no way out of that. that they that can't lease, get that, out. That's been the problem. That lease was so ironclad, they couldn't even look elsewhere. That's okay. why they had to negotiate that, is that you know mm-hmm. the lease that St. Pete signed with them was ironclad till 2027. Now, they've negotiated where they could look at Hillsborough County, Yeah, and there's a, there's a payment for every year that they don't play up to 2027. Mm-hmm. I think it's $2 million a year. And they have right. to give them an answer by the end of the year or renegotiate that window. But they, to leave to Montreal, Charlotte, Nashville, Vegas, wherever, you can't go till 2027 or 2028. I'm not sure if it's 7 or 8. I think it's 2028, actually. You have to play through the 2027 season. Look, I have my doubts. I mean, Florida, you know, in general is, is a tough sports market. I don't care if you're talking about Jacksonville, Miami, or Tampa Bay. It just is. Um, you know, the Marlins build a new ballpark. They're not drawing could say it has a lot to do with the product but the ballpark didn't make the product better the location um, wasn't a good location either location they, they wasn't a bad good. location they did and and maybe that's as simple as that or maybe you know the dolphins can't draw or um you know i, I mean we've seen what the bucks have struggled if they're not winning and of course mm-hmm. winning you know creates i mean the lightning are having no trouble right now because they're a very successful franchise and people want to come see their product but it is hockey you do have more nights, but a smaller crowd. Although you know you can get eighteen thousand in Emily Arena, this one holds you know twenty and change or twenty eight thousand, so not a big difference in terms of the size of uh, of the audience. But um, but I have my doubts with with so many things to do. We talked about transient you know people um, coming from other parts of the country that are loyal to other teams and really didn't grow up here and didn't become Rays fans and have the Rays been just now long enough for one generation to become paying customers and all those discussions that we've done on all the stadium shows in the past on radio or TV or, or on this, you know, on this podcast all still ring true. And yet somebody asked me 
Do you really think that Stuart Sternberg is serious, or is he just setting it up to fail? In other words, he knows they can't get $900 million, and this is his sort of his, you know, okay, put up or shut up moment. And I would just say that if his intention was to move this team or to sell um, or whatnot, he's had ample opportunity to begin saber-rattling long before now. Um, you know, anything, everything he has done, I think, including commission, what has to be not an inexpensive um, sort of, you know, design of this stadium. Architects are not cheap, by the way. Um, and, and, and the improvements he's made in the trop to try to keep it fan-friendly, and, and they have spent money on, on trying to upgrade that, you know, dungy facility. Um, I, I think that I think we would have picked up more of a vibe that he really is interested in this working in Tampa Bay. I think he believes it can work here. I think he's committed to working it working here. Now, does that mean that you know, like any other owner of of something like this, he won't run out of patience and time? No, it's not. It's not world without end. Um, but I don't know to this point what more necessarily short of saying, you know what, I'll foot the whole bill. Or I'll foot three th- three fourths of it, or you know I'm good for six hundred million. I mean that's you know that would be great. I don't think it's going to happen, um, but you know I st- I do think he's committed to making it work uh, in Ebor City. And you know as we always say with these things, we'll see what happens next. But it was a really good day for the Rays uh, off the field and on the field. They're not doing bad either, Steve. I'm telling you, I thought this team would lose a hundred. I'll raise my hand and say I was whoa whoa wrong so far, um, but this suddenly is an is a fun team to watch. I don't know how many of these guys will be here past the the trading date because I'm pretty sure that Wilson Ramos, who won the game again, um, sort of with his you know his three run bomb, what a year he's having as a starting catcher for the All Star team. 14 home runs now, 50 RBIs, batting about 290. Um, they they went five to two over the Tigers, which isn't a good team, but they jumped out to a big lead. Uh, Ryan Stanick, uh, you know, seems to be affected wherever they pitch him. But again, uh, nine nine times he's opened games now without allowing a run, uh, nine straight times, which you know we're we're not quite in Oral Hershiser uh, range just yet, <laughs> but it's, it's still pretty good. Um, so I mean, I I enjoyed you know, and the best thing about this game was unlike the other night when it lasted damn near four hours, this thing was over in you know two and a half or so. Um, so two twenty five. Yeah, which is phenomenal, right, for a baseball game. It almost felt like baseball. An American League game, yes. Incredible. So, hey, hats off to the Rays. They're now three games over five hundred, and that's a high watermark for this season. They flirted with one or two. Um, Now three games over five hundred. You just wonder, um, you know, how many wins this team has in it. Uh, You're starting to see, you know, Carlos Gomez is contributing again with some hustle. I mean, no matter what, the guy brings energy. He brings hustle. Uh, he's not having a great year numerically, uh, obviously, but um, they're getting some great performances. And and I'm telling you, this pitching thing is working, man. It's just since May 16th, they have the best ERA in the American League, and it's not close. Um, they're they're they go into so many games where you look up and it's like, my gosh, it's going to be another shutout or one run. Well, even even in tonight's game, so uh, you know we knew Ryan Stanek was going to be the opener. We assumed Ryan Yarborough was going to pitch tonight. And get That's, the bulk and, of the and, innings. And yeah, they, and Cash they, did not say anything different before the game yeah. either. He well, was asked about that. But they, they matched up, and they put Alvarado in for the third. Yep. For matchup reasons. And then the Rays scored five runs in the bottom of the third. 
So at this point, you're going, okay, can we now get through the game? And Alvarado pitched two innings. Look, they used a lot of pitchers. Yeah, um, they, and- went, they went through six pitchers tonight, but Calera got uh, tried to get the save. He got two and two-thirds innings. But because they, I think because they had the five-run lead, it was can we save Yarborough for tomorrow? That's right. And, and it against, all hands against, on deck against a, a Tigers lineup that's pretty weak, to be honest. So right. you're going, okay, can we match up? Can we can we get through this inning or can we get through this so that we don't have to go to to mm-hmm. Ryan Yarbrough to save him for tomorrow? So they're playing matchups. I mean, the yes. plan I believe was to pl- play Yarbrough today, but right. because they got a, a early lead, they were able to they save him, it. and so now he's going to get a bulk of the innings tomorrow. As mm-hmm. uh, I believe they announced, Hunter Woods going to start tomorrow mm-hmm. uh, to be the opener tomorrow. Because Sergio Romo closed and Ryan Stanek pitched today or open today. Right. We've seen this in the playoffs the last few years. I mean, the Indians bring in Andrew Miller in the fifth inning because that's the high leverage situation. Well, the Rays are just Yan- doing it all game long. And the Yankees will do the same thing when they get to the postseason. They'll Absolutely. play a five inning game then, too. Absolutely, they do. Um, yeah. You know, it, whether it's reinventing baseball or, and, you know, whatever you think of it, it's playing matchups, which is what baseball is anymore. That's, I mean, that's, that's ultimately baseball's a, it's a matchup between the pitcher and the hitter. That's what the sure. game is, and they're playing matchups sure. now instead of, okay, our starter's going to go six innings and we'll play matchups from there on out. They're playing it all game long, and it's working. And you're going to start seeing more teams do it. There's already been some teams that have done it once or twice this year. The Dodgers did it a couple times, mm-hmm. yeah. You're going to start seeing, and by next year, I think you're going to see a lot of teams start doing this more. Well, you know, in particular- now, when you, when you have a – if you've got the Astros staff, you're probably not going to do yeah. it. If That's you've got Luis Severino pitching, you're not going to all of a sudden have an opener for him. But when you have yeah. – your fourth or fifth starters that aren't as good, or you got some injuries, or you've you know you've you've got a situation like that, you're going to start seeing more teams do this. Yeah, no, they, they it's because pitching, starting pitching, is one of the most expensive things out there. You have to pay a guy twenty five million dollars, like Justin Verlander, to come and start for you. Not every team can do that. In fact, very few can. So, I think that you know, in terms of salary, um, you know, the ability to get guys out and match up, it, it's just a different way of thinking about the game. Uh, and Stanek has been as good as anybody that they've had doing this, and he can pitch on the back end as well as the front end. We've seen Romo do it, although he seems to be more their closer right now. Um, so it's, uh, you know, for Kevin Cash to have to endure this, to be open to it, uh, for the Rays to be committed to trying something different, again, out of necessity because they had the injuries. Um, you know, well, right this, now was, we'll this was kind of their plan all along. I mean, they were doing bullpen days but it to start it was supposed the season. To be, but it was supposed much. to be for the fifth starter, not yes. for three yes. starters. Not this much, right? yes, correct. Yeah. I mean, you lose Honeywell, then you lose Archer, then you, you know. Well, Evaldi you know, went down before the season. Evaldi was hurt before the season. Faria and Archer have been hurt. Exactly. Now, you know, you get Faria back, maybe he becomes a starter again. You know, um, Snell obviously is the one guy that's been yep. consistent. Evaldi's been good, and Archer's coming back now. He struggled yeah. Monday, but, you know, mm-hmm. I think some of that was rust and, you know, not having pitched in a month and a half in the big leagues. Right. But aren't you kind of also waiting for the shoe to drop and see which players leave the race here soon? <laughs> well, I mean, the I trade mean, deadline's coming up in the end of the month. I mean, you assume a, da- a Danny Echevarria will be gone. Uh, Wilson right. Ramos, a very good chance of that being gone. Definitely. Definitely gone. Uh, you know, interested in Nathan Avaldi, he might be gone. Probably gone. Yeah. Uh, his contract's up at the end of the season. Uh, I don't right. see anyone trading for Carlos Gomez, but there's a chance he could be gone. Mm-hmm. Um, is there interest in Matt Duffy? Do the Rays want to trade? I doubt they would want to trade him, but you know, I, the Rays honestly listen to any trade offer. Chris, Archer, I think they Chris would. Archer is, the Chris other Archer is another yeah. guy, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you're a Rays fan, I can see where it's frustrating because they've lived through this many times, and they just have to take a step back now and realize that 
you know, they're not going to the playoffs most likely this year. They're definitely not going to win the division, you wouldn't think, 15 or so games out of first place, um, 9 or 10 or 12, whatever it is, out of the second wild card. Um, so they have, you know, you have to accept. It was funny, though, they had Sternberg on between innings uh, in this game, you know, on Tuesday night, and he said, yeah, how are we doing for tanking? <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, it did. It looked, it, it kind of looked they were trying to, like, get. they were kind of caught in between when you started to see – you know the payroll and where they were at, and going after guys like Carlos Gomez and well, and Gomez some they Gomez they got because they traded Souza, and, right? And, and as they said all along, they didn't plan on trading Souza, but they had a chance to get Anthony Bonda, who when he was up here pitched very well. Now he until got hurt, John, yeah. and so he's going to be out. But for but they had Denard span, and he eventually mm-hmm. got traded, and, and he was a nine million dollar player. And but most you know. of most of the players they got rid of, and and, yes. and even even with these trades, with the exception of Wilson Ramos. They have right. someone. They have someone ready to go. I mean, you traded Evan Longoria, but Matt Duffy. You had Matt Duffy day. ready. I mean, you knew yeah. Matt Duffy could play third base. If you're right. trading a Danny Echeverria, you know you've got Willie Adamas. Right. Um, you got rid of Logan Morrison. You didn't resign him because you knew Jake Bowers was coming. Jake Bowers was coming, and you yeah. traded for C.J. Crone. But Corey Dickerson. Well, you knew you were getting Denard Span and the Longoria trade back. Mm-hmm. You know, they had somebody else behind them. It wasn't like, hey, we're just we're just tanking and, and signing anybody yeah, who's cheap. Yeah, we have big holes. You know, yeah. and same with if if they trade Echeverria, if they trade Gomez, they've got players that can play there. Now Wilson Ramos mm-hmm. is the exception. They really don't have a catcher in the system that's ready to do this. So that's no. the one trade where you trade Wilson Ramos, you're you are hurting this team. At you this are point. You unless get, unless you, you're getting a catcher back a catcher in some back, trade, some yeah. in some trade, right. whether it's the Ramos trade or a different trade. You know, right. that's that's the one where, you know, all these other trades that they've done, even when they, you know, traded Span, they had outfielders ready to go. Cole LeMay, they really mm-hmm. didn't have a closer ready to go, though Romo's done pretty well in that role. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Cole LeMay was struggling this year, too, so, you know. They, he, he was, and he's an eighth-inning guy in Seattle. The thing about Ramos is that uh, what you also lose, aside from his offense, is the pitchers, to a man, after every game, have raved about, just how he calls the game mm-hmm. and, 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 and sort of the, you know, the synergy they have working with him. So not that Sucre calls a bad game, but it's, it's, it's certainly something that you wonder if it would affect guys going forward because, you know, if you're Blake Snell or whoever you are, you're so used to throwing to this guy uh, and you feel a certain amount of confidence when you're, you're part of that battery. But look, I, I like, I, I got to give Kevin Cash a lot of credit. He's had the right attitude um, all year long with these guys, they 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 are a gritty bunch. They're not the same team as last year. Um, they really don't quit. They they just you know no matter what happens the night before, they come out, they hustle, they give you the best effort they can, and they've they bought in as an organization to doing it the Rays way with all these pitchers and guys pitching in different roles, whether it's opening, closing, middle relief, uh, setup. It doesn't seem to matter. They're all. They're all hands on deck, and they're all willing to do it. And that's a big part of it is do you have guys that will buy into what you're asking them to do? And so far they have done that, so I give them a ton of credit. Another team that, uh, you know, of course, is probably the the sort of the jewel of Tampa Bay teams right now are the Tampa Bay Lightning. They made some news that is also a screaming headline, and I don't know that everybody They got Eric Carlson? <laughs> no, not him. But they did, they did sign Nikita Kucherov to an eight-year extension. Um, worth nine and a half million dollars a year, and that uh, that new deal actually starts with the 2019-2020 season. So 
it, it won't necessarily um, you know affect them uh, right away from a cap standpoint. But Kucherov could have waited a, a year and then asked for huge money. Well, he could uh, have, but but he was a restricted free agent next year. Uh, unlike correct. what Stamkos was, was an unrestricted. So that's correct. You could ask for a lot, and the Lightning can negotiate, and a team could sign you an offer sheet. But if you take it, they have to give up. You know, if you're going to sign that kind of deal, you're giving up five first round draft picks. Right. That's a right. steep price. I'm not saying so no there's not a team that wouldn't. Do it. I'm not saying yeah, there's a team that wouldn't, not. but it, that's a tough that's a tough haul to give up five first round picks for a guy. So the Lightning right. had a little bit bar- better bargaining position than say what when Stamkos went through there or what John Tavares just did at the Islanders. Sure. Uh, because they were unrestricted free agents. But Kucherov could have either taken a shorter term deal. But, you know, he he signed for nine and a half million. That's like eleven million in LA. Which yeah, is where Drew Dowdy just got, tax, or tax free if you're going to go to Canada, you know mm-hmm. that nine and a half million in Tampa is is a lot. It's you know Iserman has used the tax part of this brilliantly. Plus, the team's built to win. If you want to win, you know you want to go to a team that it's going to win, and you've got the tax benefit here. This is a great place to sign. Well, he likes the organization. When he when he was asked about it, um, he said, "You know, why why should I wait?" I mean, he, mm-hmm. he he loves the organization. He says it's it's been unbelievable. I didn't think twice uh, about signing it. He is now the highest paid player in team history. I mean, um, mm-hmm. his nine and a half million dollar average is more than Stamkos, who just signed his deal with eight and a half. Uh, he got eight and a half million. Victor Hedman got seven point eight seven five million. Um, so you know, two years ago, so. You know, you can't complain when you're the highest paid player on the team. Um, but the fact is, he's 25 years old. Um, he led the team in scoring with 39 goals. He had 61 assists. Um, that ranked, uh, what, ranked third in the NHL, I think, last season. Mm-hmm. He's an all-star. Yep. All those things. And then you look at who uh, who this core is now. You know, guys that they have, um, you know, that they sort of have been able to keep. You know, whether it's Stamkos or Hedman Ryan McDonough, um, JT Miller, who they who they you know um, upped, I think. Um, you still have Tyler Johnson. All these players are locked up through at least twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three. Locked up through twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two is Stamkos, yeah. Palat, JT Miller, mm-hmm. Tyler Johnson, Nikita Kucherov, Alex Kalorn, Victor Hetman, Ryan McDonough. Yeah, I mean that's that's an incredible core. And if you add around those guys now. The one thing I thought was interesting that Eisenman talked about was, you know, uh, he sort of came out and said, look, the Carlson stuff, as it's been reported, is a little exaggerated. But but this what they did with Kucherov in really in no way um, sort of prevents them from doing something if they wanted to with Carlson. They will find ways to make cap room. If they want to get if they want to get Carlson, if they want to get Carlson, Johnson, Callahan or Kalorn, probably two of three of those are two of the three are going to have to be dealt. And some of them have sure. some no trade or no move clauses they've got to work around. Mm-hmm. But in order to get Carlson, probably two of those three contracts get moved. Right. JT Miller could be another one they get moved. One, so yeah. three, two of those four probably get moved to get Carlson, who you figure you could sign maybe at nine to ten million dollars a year, kind of around what Kucherov got. And and That's you know right. look if he wants the eleven million that Drew Doughty got, it's look Tampa, uh, you know ten million here is like twelve million out in L.A. So. That's right. And and if he wants to play here with Victor Hedman or what have you, I mean, all, all those things are important. I mean, guys go to organizations because they want to win. Um, you know, if the money's negligible, if it's close to the same or the same, 
Sometimes, you know, they choose where they want to live, who they want to work for, what organization they want to play for. Eisenman said there's nothing imminent, nothing close with Carlson. Um, he said any reports that would suggest otherwise are, quote, very inaccurate. Um, and so, you know, I, I still think there's probably some discussions there because there still seems to be a lot of smoke. Um, but, you know, you, you've still got – I mean, and then, you know, looking down the road, I mean, Braden Point, you know, with the 32 goals, he's only 22. He's going to be a restricted free agent after yep. next season. you still got Andre Vasilevsky yep. to he's deal with. He's got two with. more years he's until he becomes a restricted free agent. He's restricted. So think about the core of this team – um, and, and you know that they will add add pieces, you know, as they go along here, as they did this year, uh, even with J.T. Miller and those guys. So, you know, this is this is a team that Eiserman is building uh, to have sustainable success, which is something that's hard to do in sports, uh, very hard to do. But, you know, the theory is, and I've always subscribed to this, you know, people have said, well, you know, uh, of course the Bucks won, you know, a Super Bowl in 2002, and then they've gone a decade without making the playoffs. Would you take that? Would you take one championship? Well, you kind of—that's not the way you want to do it. I mean, I—I kind of subscribe to the Tony Dungy theory, and a lot of those players that Tony Dungy drafted uh, and developed ended up being a, a major part of that Super Bowl team. Um, and I don't want to get into the debate about Dungy versus Gruden, but the fact is, is that if you have a team with a young core of players and and that you can add and subtract from. Uh, that is every year is going to be in the mix. In other words, every year they have a chance to win a division title. Every year they have a chance to go to the playoffs. And if you do that enough times, sooner or later you're going to break through. I I would prefer that as as if you're a fan um, or if you're running an organization, you want to put yourself in the position to get to the tournament every single year. And sooner or later the breaks will fall, um, the matchups will be good for you, uh, and you're, you're going to have a chance to win maybe multiple championships. I, I still think the Bucks should have won more than one Super Bowl, but it just shows how hard it is to win a Super Bowl. Um, so, but but you know, since then, ten years no playoffs. I think that's tragic as as a fan of a team that doesn't even make the postseason for a decade. Um, In a know, salary so, cap era, I think the Lightning have modeled this a lot like the Chicago Blackhawks. Identify yep. your core five six players. Yep. Pay them and then move the pieces in and out. And and if you have a better farm system, you got an even better shot of that because you got young players that are cheap. That mm-hmm. and, and the Blackhawks won three Stanley Cups. Now they've missed the play you know, they they missed the playoffs this year. They were eliminating the first round, but they still have a good core and still compete every year for the the playoffs. And they missed it last year. That doesn't mean they'll they'll miss it this year. But and and they're kind of in a rebuilding mode, so they might miss it this year, but you know, if you get three Stanley Cups over a ten-year period and you miss the playoffs that's one or two dynasty. years, and then you're back. Yeah, great. That's a dynasty. Yeah, I mean, and, and the Lightning have identified their core as we talked about. They're signed for the next four seasons. Mm-hmm. These guys, and then they've got a, a heck of a farm system right now. Their AHL team is loaded. They're, a lot of the players and juniors are pretty well regarded as prospects, and we'll see how they do as they come up. That those are the pieces you bring in as some of the other pieces go out because they become free agents in that. That that's how you sustain a winner in a salary kit. You have to identify your core. You can't pay everybody everything. You no. identify your core guys. You pay them, mm-hmm. and then you mix and match the pieces around them each year. Yeah, there'll be some changes, and you you, you fill in. I'll say this about Nikita Kucherov: uh, nine and a half million a year, highest paid player yet, coming off a hell of a year. Hey, in the postseason, <laughs> you got to show up, man. Um, not that he was bad through the whole postseason, but you know, a goal. Well, he he in the did final well in the New Jersey series. He did very well, and and he and he and he did score. 
Um, but, you know, maybe a goal in the last two games might have changed things around a little bit. That game six is going to be the one that he wears, yep. um, you know, for a while just because he looks so disinterested and the body language was well, so bad. Hopefully that motivates but, him to, to be better and, and not let that happen Absolutely. Next year. Absolutely, and now and now you have the responsibility, and some guys, some guys see that and uh, and and you know and take that as um, as motivation to uh, to to be all that they're being paid to be. So he's still only twenty five years old. Will help. Oh, he's a young player. Yeah, I mean, he that, definitely you know, is. people, you know, he's not Stamkos is twenty eight. Don't forget, Ovechkin waited fourteen years absolutely to get, to get a Stanley. Look how Cup. long Eiserman waited to get a Stanley Cup when he Same was a player. thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, this is – they're in it for the long run. That's the way they want to build it. That's what they're doing. I think I think it was a great move. And it's a big story. If not, they had to share the stage a little bit with the Rays. Well, it kind of um, came out of no. I mean, you know, everyone knew that it you can negotiate starting July 1 with him. No one was expecting this to come on July, you know, 10th. Right. You know, 10 days right. into the signing period that, you know, and Eiserman kind of said it just kind of happened over the last few days that they started talking and, mm-hmm. you know, it was a fair deal for both sides, to be honest, and – so let's get it done and move on. And, and, you know, Nikita doesn't have to go through this season going worrying about a contract and wondering what's going to happen. You know, I mean, sure. I think we saw Stephen Stamkos was weighed down with some of that, you know, the year that he became a so free agent. And you mm-hmm. see players do that. And having this contract out of the way now, you know, Victor Hedman signed right away when his was available. He never had to worry about that. And I think this is a good thing for the Lightning and Nikita because no mm-hmm. one's going to have to worry about that going into this year. Yeah, and I've always said that if you have two willing parties, those things usually get done. They're hard deals, they're big deals, but if if both you know the team and the player want to be here, um, those are the ones that that usually work out. Finally, we'll wrap up on this. Uh, it's it's uh, going to be a story, I guess, as we head onto the NFL season, which is just around the corner. But the NFL Players Association has filed a grievance with the league now, challenging uh, its national anthem policy. The uh, union says that the new policy which, of course, they impose without consulting the NFLPA is inconsistent with the CBA and that it infringes on players' rights. Um, I guess the, the good news is is that um, the, you know, the league has sort of agreed um, to proceed with, uh, you know, instead of, instead of having a lot of litigation, um, you know, the union and the NFL have agreed to have discussions about this. And I think ultimately – the league would probably be happy to say that the players and the owners have have agreed to this is our policy as opposed to unilaterally imposing something that many people thought um, may have made things worse before we even get to the first game. But we'll see how it all shakes out. It's just something that will be a story, and uh, I'm sure the owners would like to get the attention on the field um, while while realizing that uh, you know that the players have a big stake in this as well, so that also happened on Tuesday. So lots lots going on, man. What a news day! What a sports day in Tampa Bay, Steve. Love it. This is great. And in the World Cup today, France advanced to the final. They beat Belgium one nothing. I watched that mm-hmm. at the same time as the race press conference was going on. England will face Croatia today for the final spot in the World Cup final. Yeah. It's going to be. I think France is the best team, but if England wins this thing, look out for the celebration, man. <laughs> it's what's it been? Did I hear? Was it nineteen? Is it been nineteen sixty nine or thereabouts when they since they won a World Cup? It's been is a that, long time. I mean, they keep saying that uh, you know they're waiting to welcome the World Cup home, it, but it's been a long time since they've won it. France won it like the, twenty years ago, I think, or maybe even. Sooner I don't than think. That. No, I think it's been more recent than yeah, that. Yeah, I think it was. It yeah, I think it was actually within maybe the last three or four World Cups. Yep. Anyway. Yep. Um, but they are every four years, so maybe it has been 16 or, or 12 or something. But 
Um, I thought yeah, Belgium was so, going to win that game. I thought they were the better team, but man, Fran- right. France is a very young team too. That's scary for the future. Yeah, They're very young. Kylian Mbappe is just phenomenal player. So we'll have a we'll have a final set after today. So that'll be something to watch as well. The Rays, by the way, they're back in action. They wrap up the series with the Tigers. They got a nooner. Yep, twelve ten. Twelve o'clock start. Be there bright and early. Yeah. So that'll be something. And um, so we'll have that for you. We also are going to have our mailbag segment. We're going to do that. Uh, I guess uh, we'll take for that today. later tonight for tomorrow. Right for tomorrow. And so we've already got some questions coming in. My good friend Ernest Super has one that I have not researched yet, but uh, we're getting a bunch of those. You can email those questions to us. And as always, we want your interact- interaction. Uh, with us on Twitter at SportsDayTV. Steve had a bunch of tweets up there today uh, about the stadium, about a lot of things, encouraging your questions. So at SportsDayTV, we certainly have a lot to talk about. You can reach me at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. And as always, rate and review this podcast. We get a lot of feedback from you guys. Uh, we appreciate the good ratings. And um, pretty much if you don't know where to get the podcast now, Steve, it's everywhere. Everywhere you get podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or any third-party app that you use to get the podcast. It's right there. Click subscribe so it downloads automatically every day. And then if you like the post or leave a comment, or better yet, tell a friend that, that, that where the podcasts are, send them a link, and that helps us out a lot. Hope you enjoyed the discussion about the stadium, about Kucherov, about the Rays. Love to get your comments. We'll discuss those on our mailbag segment on Wednesday. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. First, Steve Versnick. Have a great day, everybody. 